And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and Blake! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. If everyone stays healthy, th- this team could go really far. Bring you all things K-State sports even more. And it's Shake and Blake 10. Jonathan back to throw on first and 10. Sets, looks, throws the ball deep toward the end zone. Lockett makes a catch. Touchdown, Kansas State. Beasley and Lockett hook up on a 30-yard touchdown pass, and K-State leads 41 to nothing. Staggered set behind Milne on second and 10 from the Tiger 44. Milne turns, hands it off. David Allen, big hole, 40, 35. Allen, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Allen dies. Touchdown, Kansas State. David Allen goes in. 44 yards out. Cats lead it 51 to nothing. Twins to the far side. Back to throw, Doherty. Sets, pumps, throws, pass, picked off. Nice shot, Carter. 20, 15, 10, 5. Carter's second touchdown of the day for Kansas State. They lead it 58 to nothing on Missouri. Ball on the right hash. Trips to the left. Twin receivers to the right. And Smith the throw. Looking. Spins away from one would-be tackler. Runs far side. Throws. Intercepted by Archer at the 40. Archer at the 30. He's got a score. Touchdown. Wildcats score with a minute 23 to go. And this place is going nuts. Brandon Archer does it again. Second straight year against Missouri. The second straight year that Brandon Archer picks off the Tigers. Goes down the right sideline. Last year was 25 yards. This year, a little longer. On. First and goal, Klein keeper behind Wilson, Klein, touchdown Kansas State. 97th meeting between the two, K-State goes to the Wildcats. Welcome everybody into the Shake and Blake show live on Wildcat 91.9. Y'all already know what time it is. It's, It's, oh my gosh. Oh boy. It's Mizzou Hate it's Week. Missouri Hate oh Week. Oh, my gosh. That's well, right. If you ever listen to the show, by the way, my name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. We're here live on Wildcat 91.9 for the Shake and Blake Show. We're here every Friday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. delivering you some of the highest quality music from my fine palette of music taste and <laughs> a bunch of great knowledge of K-State sports as well. This guy. As you heard in our intro, we're playing Missouri this week. And uh, it's a bit of an interesting rivalry. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we saw a few clips from uh, 1999. We beat them 66 to nothing. Mm-hmm. The great pick six, obviously, to end Snyder 1.0. And then our most recent game in 2011 against uh, Missouri, obviously. And it was the last game before they jumped to the SEC. But before we get into that, John, uh, first of all, rest in peace. God save the queen, Queen Elizabeth II. That's what God save the queen. Yeah. Well, King Charles III is uh, now on the throne. So I think I believe technically, John, the house name should change. Uh, I think it's the House of Windsor right now. But they're not going to change it because it's going to sound super German if they change it to what it should be. And they already ran into that problem once, and they're they're not going to change it back. They, the, I don't want to get on a tangent here, but the English royal family are so weird because like the English royal family is just so like not English at all. The first king of England was French, and then they went through all this time where they had a, like George the first, second, third were all. George the first barely spoke English, like he mostly just spoke German. And I think I want to say it was during World War One. The house name was House of Saxeburg and Gotha or something super German. But they wanted to get away from that, so they changed it to Windsor. Now, just I've gone on my tangent, John. Cool. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> if, in case you didn't know, now you do. Now, John, let's just get our few hour announcements out of the way. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shake and Blake seven eight five now per John's suggestion, which makes a lot more sense. Shake and Blake seven eight five. Remember, if you want to get on the video board, because I am working the wireless camera down on the sidelines, you need to follow us on Twitter. I'm going to check if you're following us on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, make sure you're taking our quizzes on Sporkle.com as well. Uh, just look up K-State Sports Trivia on Sporkle.com. You'll find three different rounds of trivia. Uh, I have challenged John, too, and John always does very well, of course, especially that one with conference realignment. I need to try and get you on one with conference realignment. Good luck. Something spicy happens with the Big 12. We're definitely going to whip that out. Now, John, let's get to what? Let's get to the meat and potatoes here, talking about Missouri rivalry. So 
Um, Missouri leads the series all time, sixty to thirty-two. No surprise, you know. I think we're all used to it as K-State fans. Yep. Uh, they first the first game was played in nineteen oh nine. They Missouri won three to nothing. So feels bad for the people that bet the over on that one. Uh, this is our ninety eighth <laughs> meeting all time, I believe. Um, but it's kind of interesting, John, because we're not like huge rivals with Missouri, because you know we both hate KU, yeah, so we're kind like, of bonded in that way. Like, um, like bring on the cat says, it's an unholy alliance. <laughs> yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and it's also kind of been a like one sided. For one team at a certain period, you know, right. from 93 to 05, obviously pre-Snyder, we don't even need to talk about it, but um, 93 to 05, K-State wins 13 in a row, then end of Snyder 1.0, Ron Prince gets whooped, and beginning of Snyder 2.0, excuse me, loses uh, two times, then we win in 2011, haven't played again since, um, personally, I'm really excited, get to bring back, it's always great to play the old Big 12 foes, really nostalgic, even though, you know, I was barely old enough to remember a lot of these. But it's still really fun to go back and, you know, revisit an old rivalry. I mean, you look at some of the some of the team switching conferences these days that may, just make completely nonsense, nonsense with, like, USC, UCLA joining the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, we have West Virginia in the Big 12 all of a sudden. <laughs> we're about to have UCF. I mean. Yeah, we're about to have <laughs> UCF in the conference. It, it just ultimately feels refreshing that we can, that we can uh, finally – have these rivalries again, but ones that get fans really excited. You know, we mentioned West Virginia and Pittsburgh in week one of a season. That was the largest crowd in Pittsburgh football history. And then you also got Nebraska and Oklahoma next week. And then you also got Texas Tech and Houston this week. It it just seems as if there's a lot more pride and passion um, when it comes to um, reigniting these old rivalries compared to some of the game, compared to some of the games that we typically see, uh, um, and the and average years with some of the conference foes. Yeah, I mean, the Big 12 has a loaded week this week, which we'll get to uh, later on in the show. But there hasn't been, you know, any, there hasn't been no beef between these two teams, especially in the recruiting area. Obviously, there was the whole, you know, stuff that happened with Joshua Manning and that whole thing. And then we obviously got just got Jordan Allen recently, mm-hmm. who Missouri had an offer. So, you know, obviously the Ad Astra All-Stars, Missouri's definitely going to try and, you know, uh, go back, <laughs> going back into bleeding Kansas, trying to cross state lines to steal some of our guys. But luckily, we've been able to hold on recently. Obviously, Josh Manning managed to go to Missouri, but you know. And then there's e- Eli Drinkowitz, just you know, what, a, what a guy, Dorkwitz. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but you you are right about one thing when it comes to when it comes to some of the local matchups, such as K State, KU, K State, Missouri, K State, Nebraska, even to a lesser extent. I mean, they, these are these are huge matchups that could gain a lot of recruiting traction, and particularly for the Kansas City area, in which K State and Missouri have been like grinding and pounding at uh, for the last few years. Especially since Kansas is not added, not in the best position to do so uh, either. Yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of big recruits there, who, and hopefully we can put on a show for them, John. Hopefully we can put on a show. If we don't have anything else to talk about for the Missouri rivalry. Um, I think we can go ahead and move on, give some injury updates, everything that's happening with K-State. Obviously, John got a hit on Taylor Portier. Heart really goes out to the to the you know young man. I mean, really tough. Suffered another in- knee injury. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. You know, fought so hard last year to get back. You know, plays a couple quarters of football and goes down again. It's just it's really heartbreaking to see somebody you know who works so hard to play the game they love. You know, not be able to play, and it's it's not much else you can say, but just you know. Thoughts and prayers. It's just it's going it's going to be kind of a hit mentally towards the K State towards the K State football roster and particularly more towards the offensive line. They had a leader uh, in place alongside with Cooper Beebe and Taylor Portier, and kind of having that presence, it's going to hurt a little bit. It's not going to it's not a huge toll uh, compared to some of the other positions that are lacking on depth, but well, you you do feel bad for him. I mean, you talk about last season. Uh, he, he he missed he, he messed out on the majority of last season. Yeah, I mean comes back looking as if he's he's good and ready to go. I mean just a few quarters in, uh, we're already talking about a season ending. So 
wishing nothing but the best in his full recovery, but I mean that that is gonna that is gonna sting. Yeah, it really hurts. I mean, luckily we know um, we're gonna have to fill the spot in at right guard. Hadley Panzer is probably gonna get the start, and then Andrew Linegang, who is kind of he's gonna be kind of a rotation guy to get in the mix. And and you'll anticipate a few more offensive linemen to kind of yeah uh, mix and match each other uh, on on that same position as well. Yeah, but Linegang uh, was dealing with an injury throughout fall camp, so it's really important that we get him up to speed and you know make sure he can be able to get into the rotation. Um, some other ones, Josh Hayes, Sean Robinson are both game-time decisions for Saturday. So obviously it would be great for Sean Robinson to be able to play his old team and things like that. Josh Hayes, obviously a big guy that you want in, at the safety spot. Um, so we'll see whether or not they play. TJ Smith, it seems, is more yeah, likely he, than not to play. Yeah, but yeah, it looks like as if he's going to be uh, ready to go um, based on what we've seen from some of the press conferences lately. It yeah. looks as if he's ready to go. And we saw a lot of Ben Sinnott last week. No Jack Stanine. He was out for uh, health reasons as well. I believe he's good to go this week, too. Um, I didn't hear anything about Will Honus. I don't believe he's don't, going to be playing this I week. Think, so. I think just based on some of the reports that we've seen, he may be out for – uh, but first, two to three weeks. So, Hardy misses out on South Dakota. I'm probably going to miss out on Missouri and possibly Tulane as well. Um, but we'll see how how this the old situation with Wilhannis processes as we get in uh, further into Big 12 season. Yeah, I mean, injuries are just a part of football. It's next man up. Luckily, I mean, you know, we've got guys like VJ Payne getting the start at safety as a true freshman, and I think he did a really good job. So, John, with that, I think we can go ahead and uh, take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will let you know everything you need to know about Missouri, keys to victories, predictions for our scores on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. Hey, hey. <laughs> nice to meet you, John. Nice we're to meet you, <laughs> too. It's been too long. Oh, man. Okay, we're here to break down everything you need to know about Missouri. Now, John, top of my list right here, number one thing that sticks out to me when you look at Missouri football, their kicker is 5'11", 250. <laughs> they call him Thicker the Kicker. <laughs> I mean, we had we had Dicker the kicker at Texas, and now we've got Thicker the kicker. So, oh my gosh. anyway, well, <laughs> also one other one other sidebar thing, kind of, during the La Tech game that Missouri had at home, they played Narco, the Edwin Diaz walkout song with Timmy Trumpet, yeah. on every third down. I've I'm just not personally a fan of that. Because, I mean, first of all, Narco is kind of a song it takes a little bit to build up. And also it's just, you know, so associated with Edwin Diaz. And it's just like you don't want to wear it out. I think overplaying a song like that, I think it would get, like, really old really fast. So that's just – I'm not the fan experience director there, but that's just my opinion. I did hear from from, uh, possibly – I think Derek Young first first touched on this, but – they might be playing Narco uh, for Ty Zetner beginning in the second half, possibly. That would be pretty cool. And they'll have a band member, and uh, like uh, they'll have a trumpet in the in the band section, like uh, playing like playing through it. But it's gonna be like the audio. John, you get overall. me, you get me out there behind Ty Zetner. I follow him out onto the field if I'm even allowed to do you that. Are, you are, wait, you were a trumpet player? Wait. No, I mean like I'm like with my you know the wireless camera. Oh like right, follow, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 Yeah, I follow. <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to do that, but that would be so awesome. Anyway, okay, let's let's get to what we actually need to know about Missouri. 19 new transfers, um, new uh, defensive coordinator Blake Baker. Uh, he was fr- their safety coach formerly. Also was at Miami before that. Uh, replaces Steve Wilkes, who's now with the Carolina Panthers, I believe, who's their cornerbacks coach. I believe so. I believe so. So. Um, 2021, the thing that really sticks out, John, immediately when you look at um, the numbers for Missouri is their run defense. Just terrible. I mean, they're 228 yards per game. They're giving up 34 points a game. Um, I mean, they gave up 294 rushing yards against Southeast Missouri State. So, I mean, but obviously they've got a lot of new transfers this year. And based on what you saw from the Law Tech game, their run game at least, their run defense has at least gotten a little bit better. Um, I thought once they got into the second quarter and kind of got things going against LaTeX, which they won 52 to 24, um, they really kind of started getting into the groove defensively and fly around. I, I think ultimately for Missouri, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to really 
get that defensive front to rise up, especially when it comes to dealing with a running game of Deuce Vaughn, Adrian Martinez, and 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 DJ Gittins as well. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty confident to say that their defensive front won't give up anything close to the 323 rushing yards Louisiana Tech gave up last week. Um, but it is going to be really cautionary because if you if you give any sort of signal for Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez to let things loose uh, on the ground, um, that could really smell doom for the Tigers. Yeah, let's go ahead and just stick on the defense for a little bit and then go back to offense. So the thing that's the first quarter of that game – uh, Missouri versus La Tech. Missouri did not look very good. I mean, it was 21-10 at halftime. It was still kind of a game. I mean, Missouri, or La Tech kind of kept shooting themselves in the foot with the the interceptions. Um, they did some nice kind n- nice stuff blitz wise. They dropped one of their defensive linemen back to kind of as like a spy for the quarterback, and that defensive lineman was able to get a tip on the ball for an interception. Yeah. I might have been. A, I, don't, I don't think that was the pick six, but anyway, I thought they did get a job of that. But they really could not get off the field early on. They were they could. I mean, La Tech was six of seventeen on third down. I'm guessing they were probably six of ten. Or something in the first half, they could. Missouri's defense could not convert on third down. They kept La Tech kept finding a way. Sonny Cumbie, you know the uh, former offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, kept finding a way it, to get first downs. Co- coached in the Liberty Bowl as well. Yeah, for Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, so it looks kind of like a blowout, but I think it was a closer game than people think. Um, the people to watch on defense, their will linebacker Tyron Hopper. Mm-hmm. He is based on what I've heard. Uh, the heart and soul of their defense. He's really the captain. He's going to be the guy flying around trying to make tackles. He's probably going to be the guy that they put Deuce up on, on and they're going to try and contain him. Uh, they also have Jaden Jernigan. Jernigan, He's, yeah. Jernigan transfer from Oklahoma State. We obviously know how good their defense was last year on the defensive line. And then Joe, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah McGuire. <laughs> Joey McGuire. Isaiah McGuire. <laughs> Uh, the, one of the DNs for Missouri uh, uh, did pretty well against La Tech too. Uh, I believe he's number eight. And then oh, so I'm, oh my gosh, I'm all mixed up here. Anyway, those are the three guys really to watch for Missouri defensively. I, I think the, the one player you touched on with Tyron Hopper, I think he's going to be an immediate impact for Missouri uh, as the weeks continue on. Uh, he transferred to Missouri after spending five years at North Carolina. Uh, he, he um, I believe he tied with Tar Heels um, with seven hurries, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, and two breakups. Um, but he's off to a strong start for Missouri as he had six tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and one interception already against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, Tyron Hopper wearing number eight. Isaiah McGuire is the one wearing number nine. So McGuire's number nine. Yeah, eight, nine, and then zero is Jaden Jernigan. Those are the guys to watch for defensively. Now, offensively, John, I mean, we can't talk about the Missouri offense immediately without going to Luther Burden, oh my their wide receiver. He... I'm going to go ahead and say, John, he kind of, based on what I saw against La Tech, kind of reminds, he's like Malik Knowles on steroids. <laughs> like, he is a freak athletic-wise, just absolutely quick as all heck, super twitchy, very elusive, mm-hmm. hard to tackle. There was that screenplay they ran on the goal line. And there were four La Tech guys there, and he made every single one of them miss and managed to score a touchdown. And, John, they're going to find every single way to get him the ball. You know, Wildcat, Jet screen – or Jet uh, – oh, my gosh, Jet handoff and things like – Jet sweep and, you know, screen plays, things like – even, you know – They'll find every way to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is his ball skills as an actual wide receiver aren't that great. So I think if we can take him out of the passing game, I think that would be really huge for K-State. I would say on a statistical surface, Burden's de- debut was it, it was certainly impressive, but it was nothing too necessarily out of a world spectacular. I think, well, for one, you got to throw into the factor that it was against Louisiana Tech. But he's only totaled three catches for 17 yards and a five-yard touchdown, which, which uh, from from television standpoint, it, it looked like a really good run. Um, but he was also being effective on the ground as a runner with three carries uh, for 26 yards and, a, and, and uh, I believe, a one-yard touchdown as well. I, I think as the weeks go on and if he's able to make a statement against K-State he could debut as potentially the um one of the top SEC all freshman skill kind of players 
and maybe potentially an NFL-level feature type of player as well. Yeah, and we forgot to mention, I mean, this guy had a ton of hype coming out of high school. He was a top-five recruit on ESPN's 300, number one wide receiver in his class, you know, a five-star guy, one of the – I think it was I want to say they showed a graphic, but they messed it up. I think it was uh, like Mizzou's first five stars since Blaine Gabbard or something like that. So I mean, a huge guy coming in as a true freshman, immediately making an impact. Um, they also I compared him uh, Luther Burden, who wears number three by the way, so watch out for him. Uh, I compared him to Malik Knowles on steroids because he's got the athleticism. Right? He just doesn't have that, you know, like the route running and the ball skills as a wide receiver to be an elite wide receiver. He's just an elite athlete right now. Uh, but he's a true freshman. He's He'll obviously, you know, put the skills together at wide receiver and be amazing. I'll kind of go off to what you said. I think he I think he kind of does like him the ball and the ball and the ball skills, uh, controlling the ball for the most part. But um, I, I think. I think you are right when it comes to kind of a kind of a Malik Knowles on steroids when he just shows some of a flash um, that he's able to produce um, on some key mo- on some key plays in which when he's when he knows he can take the advantage uh, against some of the, against some of the opponent's secondaries he he can really do that but. Um, it's going to be a different test this, uh, this week against K State's defense. Yeah, and I mean you know. Uh, Luther Burden can run a deep route pretty well. He won a few times against Law Tech, but he kind of got a little bit get a little bit rough from his quarterback Brady Cook. But before we talk about quarterback Brady Cook, let's hear from Coach Chris Kleiman from his co- press conference this past Tuesday on his thoughts on Missouri. Really do a nice job running the football. They've got a, a, a kind of a wide zone or stretch uh, run game and some counter that uh, is really effective. Really good guys up front. Uh, a number of backs that uh, can sprinkle in, and then. Um, very very dynamic at the wide receiver position. Um, guys that can hit home runs, whether it's through the vertical passing game or jet sweeps or just getting the ball out in space. Uh, they do a lot of things. It's going to be a big challenge for us. I, I would say for the most part, um, not only do you have Lou Vernon at, at the wide receiver position making key plays, but I think the Missouri running back position was heavily, un, uh, was heavily uh, underestimated uh, from some of the media. Um, and so from whatever whether it's a K State media or Missouri media, um, Missouri racked up 328 yards on the ground and six total rushing touchdowns for from five different players. I mean, as a team, they 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 had 557 total yards for the game. And uh, but the running back position that's also going to be a key position. If K State's D line can really step up, um, get get their main key contributors uh, going quickly. Similar to how they did against South Dakota, uh, I think you had to be feeling pretty good, but you don't want to get the Missouri run game going too quickly and too early. Yeah, they're still. I believe they're still kind of deciding who's their true RB one between Nathaniel Pete, who is a transfer from Stanford, and Cody Schrader. Uh, based on what I've heard, the Aggieville Alley Cats and uh, the Mizzou KCSN podcast both agreed that Nathaniel Pete is the better running back of the two. I would, I would say they're. I would say they're better. I think he just popped more when you're he's, watching the game. Yeah, they they both felt some some kind of presence uh, in week one. Uh, they both r- rushed for a combined one 148 yards uh, and two touchdowns. They're running behind an experienced offensive line, and they will be injured from the offense that. Uh, that will particularly be the uh, engine for the offense this past season. Uh, Pete, of course, stamp, a transfer from Stanford, so there's going to be a little bit of familiarity um, facing against K-State like back in last year in Arlington, Texas. While Schrader, uh, while Schrader I believe, um, he was he had yeah, he rushed for 2,000-plus uh, yards at Division II's Truman State, um, which led the nation last season, so can't take anything in regards uh, to, to, to both of those players. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback, John. Brady Cook uh, played in five games last year, put up a few, you know, he, I think he passed for like 350 yards, but he wasn't the main guy. This is his first year. He's a redshirt sophomore, Brady Cook, uh, as the guy in this MU system. Uh, he can run. Um, they ran mm-hmm. a lot of read option stuff for him, and he did keep it. Seven rushes, 61 yards. He's deceptively quick, based on what I saw in the La, quick, uh, La Tech game. But the the weakness, John, the arm strength. Mm-hmm. I mean, the throw. I saw him make a throw across the field. Didn't have that zip on it that you really want for a long throw like that, and it made it a little tougher. He underthrew Luther Burden on a deep route. Some of that could just be chemistry, but I think his arm strength is, uh, is an issue. I, I think you're right for the most part. He was he was solid in the season debut. 
Um, I mean, I think he also got the starting position against Army last year in the bowl game as well. Uh, he completed 18 of 27 passes for 195 yards and a touchdown. You, you are right. I, I I would be anticipating to see more communication between him and him and his wide receivers because I think that could be the ultimate difference maker if those if those two entities are on their are on their points and really giving K State's K State's defensive backs a lot of a lot of pressure in the backfield. Yeah. Oh no, not backfield. Uh, uh, I lost I, I lost what I was gonna say. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I didn't catch the last part you were saying. <laughs> Oh, it's it's I, I kind of blanked out a little bit. I'm just trying to think ahead of what that, I'm. That, that, that's what we do. <laughs> We're not always like this. I promise. We're 99 percent of the time we cut. It's a little more difficult doing doing a live oh show gosh. because because you have to because you can't necessarily go back and and like fully correct what you have yeah. To say. <laughs> okay. Well, John, I'm just gonna mention they also have a uh, Dominic Lovett and Barrett Bannister as their other wide receivers. I don't have much to say about Lovett. He made a few good plays. Uh, based on what I've heard about Barrett Bannister, just a classic slot receiver, gonna be a safety blanket, you know, guy over the middle you can hit. Um, a couple things for Missouri, they definitely would like to get off to a faster start, I'm sure, than they did against LaTeX. Could just be first game nerves or, you know, just general lack of execution because it's the first game of the season. But, yeah, they really needed to get it going. Also, you know, I think they had a couple turnovers in the red zone. Obviously yeah. can't be doing yeah. that. And then 10 penalties for 100 yards in your first game. Generally pretty sloppy. I wasn't really that impressed with Missouri from what I saw in their game against LaTeX. They're going to definitely have to clean it up a lot more if they want to compete with a really good K-State team. Not only just K-State, but, I mean, they're going to face an yeah. a gauntlet of the SEC. So K-State's just kind of a tune-up for the SEC pretty, pretty much uh, just with some of the teams that they're going to be playing there. But uh, kind of summarizing overall on Missouri's offense, I mean, but but the the turnovers uh, twice in the red zone. I mean, that's that's definitely a red flag for Missouri. While Cook did miss Burden and, and others on several deep passes, they had a little more success working on the intermediate passing game compared to K-State. Uh, but these trends will imply longer and more uh, more uh, more methods uh, when it comes to drives will generally lead to more field goals and modest score goals. So Missouri's got to Missouri's got to do a lot better when it comes to um, overall ball control. Signal, signal what's going to happen between the quarterback and the wide receivers. That I think is going to be the key for Missouri's offense. Yeah, I mean, just so just generally kind of su- to sum it up, Missouri's run defense was terrible last year. It seems like they've gotten at least a little bit better this year flying around on the D line, and they would at least not be one of the worst run defense teams in the country. And, and here's the problem with Missouri this is their fourth defensive coordinator that they're on, on already under Eli Drinkwitz. Um, so they they might show a little bit of a little more presence under their, their under their new defensive coordinator, um, but it's it's nothing fully cemented once when once when things get going because think because if, if Missouri can't get, get blah, <laughs> can't get anything going on the on the defensive front then it's going to be a long day for them. Yeah, and then I mean. Um defensively some of the people to watch out for again number eight isaiah mcguire number zero uh Jaden jernigan and then number number eight uh tyron hop tyron hopper did i say number eight twice i meant number nine isaiah mcguire i'm sorry i'm getting these numbers all mixed up but tyron hopper heart of the defense he's going to be the guy who's going to be flying around trying to make tackles we we just let mitch fortner do the pa announcing yeah. and he'll just announce the numbers. see this is this is why they tell you not to mention numbers in radio exactly they're the, the, the listener's not going to remember it i don't even remember it Oh my gosh! I just like touching on them because I feel smart. To <laughs> well, I'm just trying to let people know, you know, when they're at the game, <laughs> what, what numbers they're like. Oh, these are the guys that are. Great. Anyway, offensively, number three, Luther Burden, guy you want to watch at all times. K State defense is definitely going to be keeping an eye on him at all times. They're going to put him in motion a ton, jet sweeps, screens, wildcat. They're going to do it all to try and get the ball in his hands. A top five recruit again, five star. Um, like Malik Knowles on steroids. Uh, Nathaniel Pete and Cody Schrader, both really good running backs, pretty solid. Nathaniel Pete will probably get the majority of the carries this game. Brady Cook, first year, 
as the uh, guy in the MU system, can run, can pass pretty well. Just the arm strength is the main weakness. Have we re- have we covered it all in Missouri, John? I'd say we covered it all in Missouri. Okay. Well, the one thing I do want to mention, it'll be pretty interesting. New offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. New defensive coordinator, Blake Baker. So, see two new schemes going at it. Mm-hmm. Definitely to both learning along the way. Well, if we don't have anything anything others to say, I, I would al- I would also touch on one thing. Seeing how both Brady Cook and Adrian Martinez can prove their potential. Uh, in this matchup because we didn't see we, we didn't see too much of Adrian Martinez uh, having too much success but again it was South Dakota it's not like it we needed to show too much uh, for the Missouri game from what it seems as if a lot of the yeah. media is saying um, I mean kind of the same thing goes for Missouri um, can can he get can Brady Cook get his receivers more on target compared to uh, how he did against Louisiana Tech? Yeah. Now, we're not done talking about this K-State-Missouri game, obviously. After we take a quick break, we're going to cover some Wildcat headlines, what's going on with soccer and volleyball, go around the Big 12, see a stacked week this uh, this uh, week two for the Big 12, go over our keys to victory, score prediction, how K-State's going to absolutely mollywop Missouri here on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove live on Wildcat All right, John, let's get into some Wildcat headlines here on the Shake and right. Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Soccer this past Sunday, they lost to Purdue 2-1, to one, uh, but K-State had 19 shots, 11 of them on goal, 11 saves from the Purdue keeper. Plenty of great opportunities, John, just weren't able to capitalize. A couple of great goals from Purdue in the first half, and then the second half they got real desperate, shooting from outside the box, and generally taking some ill-advised shots in my opinion but Kyler Goins hit a banger mm-hmm. near the end of the game to at least make it a one goal game yeah and it was pretty far as well I believe 16 and maybe a little bit more than that it was like, outside the box for it, sure. it was definitely outside the box um just yeah you're right a lot of opportunities missed and this came with Purdue having 10 10 players overall uh, with one of them getting the red card and was eventually ejected but yeah, it was it was kind of a brutal loss for K State, especially when you had a real shot at beating a, a quality Power Five team in Purdue. I, I'm not sure. I'm not doomed up on the other, other soccer teams, uh, even even let alone in the Big Twelve. But um, ju- just a rough loss. Hopefully, K State can turn turn it around tonight against Yale. Yeah, I mean that's another thing to mention. The, the referee for this game was very very strict. Five yellow cards in the first half alone. And then one of them was two yellow cards on the same person, which led to her getting a red card, obviously, and being kicked out of the game. And then he, all of a sudden, he just takes things a lot more lighter. Zero yellow cards, I believe, in the second half. So. Like, like that's the one thing Jasmine, Jasmine Halburn and I took notice of. I was like, okay, he's 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 definitely keeping things a lot more lighter when when he shouldn't. Yeah, he shouldn't I'm sure. Be. I'm sure the coaches gave him an earful. Let's move on to volleyball. John did pretty well in the UCF challenge down in Orlando. Uh, Florida winning uh, went two and one five set banger against UCF didn't quite go the cats way mm-hmm. but you still beat Syracuse North North Florida uh, so I mean a pretty good trip down to Florida if you ask me yeah a great a great matchup to not only get yourself some more quality competition especially with UCF give you kind of a preview of what to expect with a new with uh, UCF joining the Big Twelve kind of give them them a feel of what of what Big Twelve volleyball is overall K State then responded. Uh, earlier today, they swept records in at the Loyola Chicago Invitation. Uh, K-State tallied at least four blocks in all three sets. Aaliyah Carter led the team with 13 kills with Shaley Meyer um, coming up with 10 as well. In the first set, it was in the first set, K-State should have should have been putting the gas a little bit more. Don't know if it was necessarily errors, but um, they kept it a little bit too close in the first set with records, and especially considering the records went 0 and 18 in the Big Ten last year. <laughs> yeah, they're not a volleyball school, y'all. Uh, I'm just oh my. telling you. But 0 and 18. 0 and 18 oh. in the Big Ten, that but um, a- but good. It's good win for K State. They'll turn it around against Loyola Chicago tonight. Um, that's going to be a tough mid-major squad. They took Tennessee and Michigan to the to the wire, um, forcing five sets matches against them let's touch on the game wednesday a little bit too john against missouri Missouri, that's right um i mean you can go ahead and start uh yes of course so (laughs) didn't look didn't look all too well for k-state um 
at, at, at first. Missouri had a first set lead, 17 to 12. Didn't didn't have too much impressive playing uh, from Aaliyah Carter. So K State made so Susie Fritz, Jeff Grove kind of made the option, uh, and well, yeah, Jeff Grove. <laughs> oh, did he tell uh, you? <laughs> uh, I, I just saw I just saw from that perspective, but okay. they they do uh, they substitute Shaley Myers in um, uh, for Aaliyah Carter, and she she ultimately got things going. Um, if I can pull up the stats here, but yeah, I'll go ahead and mention. I mean, Aaliyah Carter, the thing that sticks out immediately watching that game, just a complete non-factor. I mean, Shaylee Myers stepped up huge. Um, K State probably should have won that game in three sets. They should have won in three. Third set, we're looking pretty dominant. Missouri comes back from seven points down. They take the third set. They take the fourth set, pretty convincing fashion. And then you have Lauren Hinkle get a get a little uh, dinged up in that third set. Mm-hmm. Ava Legrand comes in and she does a really good job. A lot of depth on this volleyball team. I mean, again, Shaley Myers, Sydney Balding, you know, Katie Fernholz, Haley Warner, obviously Elena Baca, the big people who really stepped up to help. Um, K-State get a five-set win over Missouri. And and it's a good thing that K-State is starting to get more playing time with Shaylee Myers as well, especially considering that this is going to be Elena Baca's final year. She spent one year at K-State, spent the past few years over at St. Mary's as well. Um, so having her step up is was big. Um, 23 kills, um, just overall an impressive performance by her. Um, but uh, the third set, it looked like it looked as if K-State was looking really good. Um, you you did mention it. Lauren Hinkle was dinged up a little bit. Might have been a little bit of a turning point because ultimately when they subbed in Ava Legrand, things kind of took a turn for the worse. Missouri was starting to catch, was starting to get things going, and the former Wildcat Anna Dixon, she was she she wanted this match more than anybody on Missouri's roster. She had an impressive performance as well. Yeah, I mean she really did. And then you mentioned it already, John, um, playing Rutgers and beating them three nothing, which obviously given what you've said about their record in Big Ten play is not a surprise. And they play 7.30 tonight on ESPN Plus against Loyola Chicago. And then tomorrow they got St. Thomas of Minnesota. The St. Thomas Tommies. They, they were a Division three school two wow. years ago. And now they're playing Division One ball because their football team got because their football team got so good the conference that they were previously in gave them the boot. Wow, that is interesting. So, so the Summit League decided to call them up, say, "Hey, we want to we want you to join the Division One for all the sports except for football because you don't have because you don't have scholarship yeah. availability yet. So, we'll just put you in the Pioneer League for that." And kind of goes right there. St. Thomas, I mean. For football, especially, they they are an incredibly well coached program. And excuse me, and to think I was just going to make fun of their nickname, the Tommies. The Tommies. <laughs> they they have this they have this rivalry um, between St. Thomas and St. St. John's of Minnesota. It's they call it the Tommies versus Johnnies rivalry. Oh, that's fun. I root for the Johnnies, of course. <laughs> and that game on Saturday, unfortunately, will not be on ESPN Plus. I believe the only way you would get it is to listen on the radio on K Man. Now, John, let's go ahead and go around the Big Twelve. We mentioned it a lot. Stacked week this week for the Big Twelve. Tons of great games. We'll start. We'll go in chronological order. Eleven a.m. Fox, number one ranked Alabama against the great, the great, the mighty, the, the powerful. The Quinn Ewers led Texas Longhorns. Matthew McConaughey is probably going to be there, and he's definitely getting on Fox. Of course, Bama are twenty point favorites. Over under sixty five. I mean, I think you know who's going to win this game, John. But let's let's what do you, what do you got for us? I mean, of course, you're going to have Fox Fox and ESPN just oh go all over this with the <laughs> pregame coverage. But um, uh, Texas, I think Texas will keep this game interesting for a half. <laughs> um, especially if they can get Bijan Robinson going, but yeah. Alabama will come out of halftime with their hair on fire to pull away in the third quarter. The difference in this game will be the definite experience on the Alabama offensive and defensive lines compared to the lack thereof uh, of Texas. Um, while the score would look bad, I think Quinn Ewers and Longhorns now have a measuring stick to go off of, and they can learn from losing to the best team in college football. John, like just or as Georgia, a, because Georgia might be up there. As well. Yeah, it's close. Um, just as like a hypothetical, like I, I don't even know what I would think if Texas actually beat Oklahoma. Oh my! Or uh, sorry, Alabama. Alabama. Sorry. Oh my god! Uh, like I would, I just, I can't even fathom it. Like, <laughs> where, where do you? Where, I, I guarantee you, they put Texas in the top ten. Oh yeah, definitely. Are you kidding me? I mean. 
top, they, top five even. They got a first. They got a first place vote for basically no reason. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, my that gosh. would be absolutely insane. Yeah, again, Alabama are twenty point favorites over Texas, so uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'd imagine Alabama would cover that, just in my personal I opinion. Hope, I hope they cover and do more than that. All right, let's take a look. Yeah, definitely. Let's get a preview into the what a new Big Twelve matchup may 12, look like. Three p.m. Fox Sports One. Oh, this one. Okay. 25th ranked Houston against Texas Tech. Texas Tech are actually favorites in this game. New head coach Joey McGuire looking to get a statement win in his first year for the Red Raiders. Who you got, John? I thought when you said new Big 12, I was I, I was about to click towards Baylor and BYU. Oh, yeah. No, we're saving. That's... But that this is a great game as well. I, I think Tech, uh, yeah, Texas Tech beat Houston on the road last season, and that was one of their early highlights in the season. And um, I talked about this game on a few podcasts before, and Lubbock and Tech flat blew them out. Um, I think this game will be closer than anticipated, especially with Houston, probably one of the more teams who is considered as one of the best group of five teams, should make the New Year's six. If if you if you're going three overtimes against UTSA, Texas San Antonio, <laughs> I can't I can't pick you to to beat a Big Twelve squad. I I think it's gonna be close, but I got Texas Tech winning. You know, there's there is a bit. I mean, this is totally like non-strategy related at all, but there is kind of a bit of a reverse psychology thing here when you see a team lose in a really close game to a team they should have just whooped. That kind of is like a wake-up call for the team after that first week. I guess they, that's true, yeah. They could just be raring to go or, you know, it could, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the the strategy and things like that, but I would be inclined to agree with you uh taking Texas Tech there. Another interstate matchup we got here, 3 p.m. on the Big 10 Network, which Big Ten well, Network, yeah, lame. What? Real lame. Come on. Iowa State, Iowa. I can't believe they didn't have like. I mean, I know Iowa put up seven points and didn't score a touchdown, but you could at least put them on ESPNU. Like, geez, what are we doing out here? Anyway, Iowa State, Iowa. Iowa is actually favored in this game. Uh, check out this over under, John. Forty. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who do you got? Iowa State, Iowa. I, I I would assume that it doesn't make sense for Campbell's first Cyhawk win to come on the road uh, with a first-year starter and, and Hunter Deckers, but that's what makes rivalries fun and unpredictable, and I think that's where I'm going to kind of lean. I mean, I, I saw Iowa last week, and oh my gosh, your offense. It should allow <laughs> Iowa State to wear down and Iowa's defense. And, and the Iowa defense is overall of a strength. Um but up that, that offense is going to get Will McDonald going. He is going to be an absolute monster towards that towards the um towards the Hawkeyes offense. Uh, Spencer, oh, I can't remember what was his last name. The the Iowa quarterback. Oh, um, know. but he he looked absolutely horrible. Uh, I think I think I jeez, I don't know. It, I'm tempted to pick Iowa State because of how bad Iowa's offensive line is. But it's Matt Campbell, and he's never beaten Iowa. Yeah, it's just like. Iowa can they absolutely cannot put a performance up that bad at home against an in-state rival like that. They they have to be bringing their A game, and they're going up. Matt Campbell is still the head coach of Iowa State, so I think it's definitely in your best interest to to take don't, Iowa. Don't don't bet this game at all. That that's my that's no that's yeah that this is a, that's a trap game right there. Yeah. Speaking of not a trap game, um, at 5 p.m. on ESPN Plus, Kansas. The Kansas Jayhawks over in Lawrence, Kansas, are going to Morgantown to visit West Virginia. Um, West Virginia is 13.5-point favorites. John, can they win by two touchdowns? No. Wow. I think this game will prove more about Kansas than it will about West Virginia. I think Kansas will hang around from start to finish. But we already know the Mountaineers are better than advertised, especially with JT Daniels. It just, they just couldn't get the, his connection with the wide receivers going against Pittsburgh. Um, and then you also add to that the offensive line did not have, had showed some flaws as well. But I think the difference is going to be JT Daniels. Um, he will have a nice game for West Virginia. I think they bounce back on the winning side uh, after that heart, heart absolute heartbreaker yeah, in I, the backyard. Bro, I couldn't agree more. They'll be hungry for a blowout but, after a tough loss. But I, but I think especially at home. But I think Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal, it, those two will be the key impacts for Kansas if, they, if they're looking to pull off the upset. I think KU could definitely it's put possible. up points. They I, could, it's possible they could pull off the upset. Yeah. Yeah, I think they could actually, you know, they'll make it a game. John, let's go ahead and we'll just breeze through Kent State versus Oklahoma. 
Like uh, okay. Oklahoma's thirty-three point favorites doesn't really matter. Oklahoma wussed out and decided to play a crap team in week two. Um, so let's just six thirty ESPN two Arizona State Oklahoma State. The broadcaster I worked with over the summer, Ben Picorni, is going to be in Stillwater calling Ooh. the game oh, for wow. Arizona State. So oh, for Arizona State, yeah, that's where he goes to school. So. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. So, but will he see a win? Probably not. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If Oklahoma State's defense does not step up yeah. the way it did against Arizona State, I mean, the, the way it did against Central Michigan, it's going to be a long, long, long year for, for Mike Gundy's crew. I, I think Spencer Sanders will come out a little bit less polished compared to the Central Michigan game, but I think he'll still be the best player on the field uh, leading Oklahoma State to victory. I, I think a late push from Arizona State makes this a little more interesting, but um, I think the I think the defensive line in Stillwater puts a stop in the late game heroics from Emory Jones. I think Oklahoma State uh, goes two and zero for before the tune up versus uh, I think Arkansas Pine Bluff, I believe, but they'll win anyways. So. Yeah, it's it doesn't really matter. Speaking of a guaranteed win, TCU. <laughs> yes, TCU versus Tarleton. Tarleton John, State, this, the Texans. That's best. Oh, they're the Texans? That signifies Texas football right John, there. this team is so bad that Vegas wouldn't even give a line for it. They're so bad that ESPN's FBI, FPI excuse me, gives Tarleton a 0.2% chance of winning. 0.2. Texans will up the odds. <laughs> that would be so awesome. But, I mean, it's at 7 p.m. ESPN Plus. Not worth watching. Not worth watching. Speaking of the opposite of not worth watching. 9-15, ESPN, 9th-ranked Baylor, 21st-ranked BYU. Big 12 after in, dark. In Big 12 after dark. In Love Provo, it. BYU is favored. Um, I, I'm, I'm really glad. You know, it really sucks that K-State plays at 11 a.m. and I have to get up so early, but it's going to be nice that I'll be home to be able to watch this game. I really, I'm really excited to watch Blake Shapin. That dude is a baller. I'd really, I think he'll do really well. Not only that, but you're but he's going to be behind one of the top offensive lines in the country. I and mean, then on top of that, you got one of the best defensive lines in the country as well. Um, and Dave Aranda, he's one of the top defensive coaches in college football, without a doubt. At first, <laughs> I, I was looking at this as a potential win for BYU. They had all the weapons possible to get the win. A ruckus home crowd who's ready to see them play against a future conference rival. But earlier today i heard the news they lost two of their wide receivers two of their key wide receivers that might take a toll on byu and for that reason i'm gonna go with baylor in a really close yeah that'll be a close game that's gonna be a fun rivalry oh my gosh that'll be so much fun (laughs) oh man but but they're two private 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 schools right Uh, yeah but my bible is better than your bible bowl (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's a great bowl name we need we need to copyright that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the most important game to us, John. K State, right. Missouri, 11 a.m. ESPN two. Uh, give me some keys. What do you think? What are you going to be keeping your eye on this game? I would say ultimately the key to the game for K State is don't let Missouri start off hot, whether it's for run game or if it's or if it's somehow in some way getting Brady <laughs> Cook to connect to Luther Burnin, because I think possibly both of them. I mean, both of those two entities can really be a problem for K-State if, if they're not up and going uh, right out of the get-go. Um, I think for K-State, just kind of like what I said, you got to stop the Missouri You got to stop Missouri from making too many big plays, provide a lot of pressure on not only the run game so as they can force Brady Cook to throw. Um, and considering how bad Missouri's rush defense, um, run defense was this past season, um, you definitely have to rely on that with Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez and DJ Gittens. Also, also for Adrian Martinez's sakes, look for some more wide-open components as well. If you if you weren't able to find some for South Dakota or if they were just kind of keeping things low prile towards their gut, um, not, nothing too much there. But if there, if there's an opportunity right there where, where, where you don't need to hesitate too much, like throw it and, yeah. and it should go – 
it should help in the long run. Oh, yeah, be way more aggressive. And and you also have to have special teams come up with a big play as well. Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be a key for a big win. For my uh, keys to victory, I'm going to go ahead and go to Chris Kleiman real quick. He's going to talk about um, picking up some of Missouri's blitzes that they like to run, but I'd like you to pay attention to what he says at the end of, the, at the end of this clip because I think it's really important. Well, they're really active up front. I think they're really good up front. Uh, they're long. They, they use their hands well. They get off blocks. Uh, and then you combine that just with the front four, and then you combine that with uh, pressures from outside linebackers, inside linebackers, a corner blitz. Um, they're going to do a lot of different things to try to disrupt uh, uh, your offense. And so I don't know how much they showed. You know, we, we know that uh, there are certain things that uh, we can look at from last year or other years. Um, but uh, there, there's some things that we didn't show on offense and defense for sure. And I know that there's probably a number of things offensively and defensively they didn't show. So it's going to still be a, a game of adapting and adjusting. A game of adapting and adjusting. adjusting. I think that's the most important thing about this game. Because think about it. How much did we really learn about the K-State offense or the Missouri offense the last week? Not a ton. You know, 50 yards passing from Adrian Martinez. We know Deuce Vaughn is amazing. Our offensive line run blocking wise is really, really good. Had a little bit of trouble picking up uh, blitzes in the passing game. But I think we'll... Um, correct that over this week. So I think that's the most important for me from the coaching staff. How are you going to adapt and adjust? Because Missouri didn't show everything. We didn't show, you know, everything that we had against South Dakota. So I think it's going to be a really like rapid game of chess between these two teams. And the in between the coaching staff is going to be the most important. And it's, then it's go going, ahead. It's going to be which coach plays checkers and which coach is going to play checkers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they definitely played checkers in Columbia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, and then uh, I think a couple – Julius Brandt's Echo Boydo really need to have a standout performance. They're, I think if they can just press coverage against Luther Bird, and I think they'll give him r- some real trouble in the passing game, obviously marking him you know, when they put him in motion for the jet sweeps because they're going to do that a ton is going to be really important. Um, obviously, you mentioned special teams, especially with our kicker, Chris Tennant. Yes. Missed a couple field goals. I think if he can you know, even just knock down an easy one, knock down an extra point, just make sure he's got his confidence back, uh, would be really huge. He's obviously got the leg. You know, it's, I think it's just a mental thing. Th- those are gimme points, and you, you just can't have those sli- slide by. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then win the turnover battle is another thing I put. Just you know, no turnovers last week. Let's do it again this week. Cause a turn, cause a turnover, you know, here or there, and then just nickel and dime Missouri until they give you some over the top. Mm-hmm. Really, that's all I have. What about a score? Let's go ahead and get a score prediction, John. I think K State wins this game up front on offense, uh, and and especially with the with the amount of veterans that they have on the offensive line to create opportunities for Vaughn Martinez and Gittins to a lesser extent to uh, to really run up Missouri. It's unclear whether Missouri is capable of taking advantage of that. And considering that the game might be played in rainy conditions tomorrow, um, that, that is not going to create any big advantages, I believe, for Brady Cook and his wide receivers to get going. I think K-State wins. I think Missouri will cover, but I think K-State's, but I think K-State wins the game. What, what, about, what a score. Give me a score, John. Let's go. I'm going to go 31. I'm going to go 31 to 24. Okay, 31-24, I like that. I'm going to go 28-17. I think it's a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, Hopefully we get out to a hot start and are able to keep that going. So that wraps up our time, John. Thank you so much for listening to the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove live on Wildcat 91.9. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ShakeandBlake785, at ShakeandBlake785. Take our quizzes on Sporkle.com. We will be back on Monday to recap the Missouri game, which will obviously be a double. Uh, a, a win, anyway, a dub, and <laughs> Casper 90. Casper 90.